0: 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Tyler Lifest went through a crisis in his life. His father died when he was 12 years old. Shortly after that, his mother was diagnosed with a type of breast cancer. And all through this suffering and this time, uh, he remembered his father's counsel you can either get bitter through life or you can get better through life, and uh, from what I understand, he is training for the ministry today. I want you to know something. Uh, God can sustain you through the difficulties and the trials of your life. Uh, His grace is sufficient. Uh, We need to know that because there are times we struggle physically. There are times we struggle emotionally. There are times we struggle with our Christian life, and... um, in all of these situations, God is sufficient to meet the needs of our hearts. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that God has been faithful to me in so many times of my life. Paul especially understood this because he went through a myriad of sufferings. Uh, he was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He was stoned and left for dead. Um, he went at times without adequate food or clothing. Um, and and he he was persecuted from town to town. There was actually a group that would pursue him from place to place to cause him trouble. In addition to this, in this scripture we're going to learn that also the enemy was coming against him and apparently had afflicted him with some kind of physical infirmity in his body. So he was struggling with a sickness as well. But what he found was in all of these things that God was sufficient for him. And uh, he's going to talk about his vision that he had and the greatness of his vision because there's those who were opposing him in the church as well. Uh, So he had opposition in the church. And he was having to uh, present some things about his life that he didn't share with them because he was a humble person. But he says, look. If these guys are going to speak about me, I'm going to let people know what God is doing in my life. He said, even though it's foolishness to boast, I'm going to boast so that I can help these people remain true to God and His Word. But also, Paul says, I want you to understand that what I really glory in is not what God has done in my life, but in God's uh, sufficiency in my weakness. Because what I've found is when I am weak then I'm strong. So we need to trust God with all of these circumstances that come in our lives so that, that he can extend his grace to us and live through us in the circumstances of this life. At the time of my message is overcoming in difficult circumstances. Read with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1. Boasting is necessary. It is not profitable, but I will move on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise. He heard inexpressible words which a man is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. For if I want to boast, I will not be a fool." because I will be telling the truth. But I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Therefore I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, catastrophes, persecutions, and pressures because of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Overcoming in difficult circumstances. Um, how do you overcome in the difficult circumstances of your life? I want you to see several things. First of all, you need to recognize your source. Recognize your source. You don't overcome in your own strength. You overcome in Christ's strength. Um, look at verse two. He says, "I know, a man, in Christ." And we know he, Paul's talking about himself. He he speaks about uh, this man in the third person. But then later on he goes and he says, But because of this revelation, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. So he's talking about himself here. But he's doing it in third person as a way of being humble and deferring and trying to, to show that it's not a good thing to boast. He's only doing it because it's necessary. But he says, I know a man in Christ who was called up to the third heaven. Uh, Look at verse 9. Therefore, I'm most gladly boast of my weaknesses so that Christ's power may dwell in me. Verse 10, I take pleasures in these things. Why? Because of Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Uh, Flip over to a part of the scripture we didn't read in verse 19. We are speaking in Christ. Yes, you see, all through Paul's life, he recognized whatever he was doing... Whatever good that had come in his life, whatever power that rested on his life, it came from one person and one person only, and that was Jesus Christ. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And so, you need to recognize your source. Recognizing your source doesn't just involve recognizing that Jesus can meet our needs, but it involves thinking about who he is. The Bible calls this meditation. You, you kind of mull over the fact of who he is. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 talks about the fact, it says, consider Jesus so that you don't lose heart. And he talks about how Christ suffered in the flesh and how he went to Mount Calvary to pay for sins and he rose from the dead in victory. Uh, consider him who endured the curses and the Beating and the mockery. Consider him who struggled through all these things in his life and yet overcame and recognized that he is your source. And if he is your source, hell itself can't stand against you. Recognize your source. Um, D.L. Moody was uh, a famous evangelist that God used in a great way. Um, He had a little lady. Come up to him one day and she said, uh, Mr. Moody, I've decided to pray for you so that God's anointing will come upon you. And he said it actually kind of made him mad. Well, why does she think God's anointing is not on me? You know, and he became kind of kind of frustrated by it. And then he began to think about it. And then he thought, you know what? If there's more of God that I need, I want it. And uh, so so he began to join her in that prayer. But God's anointing descended on D.L. Moody, and he said, "I was preaching the same exact messages, but now all these people were coming to faith in Christ." He said, "The power of God descended. What a difference God made in his life!" I want you to know something: when God's power descends on you in your circumstance, He is more than enough. He will be your source, and. If God is for us, who can be against us? Recognize your source. Secondly, remember your weakness. Remember your weakness. Look at what he says in verse 5. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. By the way, when Paul speaks of what happened in Christ, the good things he's, he's talking about... In the context of being in Christ. But when he speaks of himself alone, he just speaks of his weakness. What's he doing here? He's contrasting two ways of life. To try to live in your own energy and to try to live in the energy of Jesus Christ. He says, look, I need to remember my weakness. Why? Because it is when I remember my weakness that it causes me to go to God and to seek his resources. So that I can receive what I need to live for him. Um, he says, I remember my weakness. Now, the Apostle Paul is arguably the greatest missionary to ever live. All of Europe today that uh, was touched by the gospel, Paul went through Europe. I mean, he, he won those people to Christ. The basis of Western civilization as we know it today is through the influence of a man called Paul or Saul of Tarsus, God used him in a profound way. And yet he says, when I look at myself, what I see is my weakness. You see, that's the reason God's power could rest on him. The Bible says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When you look in the different places in Scripture, the types of people that God uses... You see over and over again at the calls of these different people, their sense of unworthiness for the task. You go to Moses. He says, Lord, I, I can't speak. I've got some kind of speech impediment. I, I, I don't know how to speak. How could I go to Pharaoh? Uh, you, you go to um, Joshua, and you see Joshua being just kind of overwhelmed, and God sends the captain of the army of the Lord to encourage him. You see King Saul in the Old Testament uh, hiding, not wanting to be brought into service. And and David, his own father, didn't think enough of him to bring him to be considered as one who might be the next king of Israel. And yet he was the one that God chose. You see, Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, Lord, I'm a youth. I don't know how to speak. I'm just a young man. How can I be a prophet of Israel? And, And God says, look, I will give you the words that you should say. You see, Ezekiel, who was apparently intimidated by their people, God said, don't look at the hardness of their faces. I will make you hard-headed so that you can be a prophet to them. All throughout Scripture, over and over and over again, you see a sense of inadequacy in the servants of God. Um, Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians. It's not many mighty There are some, not many mighty, not many noble, not many uh, from the right side of the tracks. But he says, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. The things that are not to confound the things that are. You see, we're all weak. People who are made of dust are weak. Some of us recognize it a little more readily than others, but... All of us need Jesus. You need to recognize and remember your weakness because it is when you remember your weakness. And Paul says, I even glory in that. I I boast in that. I talk about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power can rest on me. Remember your weakness. Uh, Your weakness is an opportunity for God to work. Have you ever thought about it that way? Did you know God works through people that we would never think of? I remember there's a guy in my uh, in my church, uh, the first, actually the second church I served as minister of music and youth, and uh, he was just an ordinary guy, worked an ordinary job. Um, I didn't think, of, matter of fact, I thought of him as maybe being a little bit slow. I'm, I, you know, I just just you know, you get an impression of where of where people are. But God gave him an unusual ability to lead people to Christ. And he, he, he came in one church, night at church, and uh, he said, Meet my friend. Uh, she used to be a Jehovah's Witness. Now she's a believer in Jesus Christ. And uh, he introduced me to her, and I, I said, Well, how did this do? Well, I just talked to her about Jesus. She gave her heart to Christ. You see, the power of God was resting on his life. I dare say he had never gone to a class on the cults. And yet, he talks to this lady about Jesus. She gives her heart to Christ. God cuts through the lies and deception of a cult in a moment of time. I want you to know, God, God doesn't need us. He lets us get in on what he's doing, but he is able... Remember your weakness, and as you remember your weakness, it will enable the power of God to be upon you in a greater way. Overcoming in difficult circumstances, how do you do it? First of all, recognize your source. Secondly, remember your weakness. Thirdly, rely on your Savior. Rely on your Savior. Look at verse 7. Especially because of the extraordinary revelations... Therefore so I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so that I would not exalt myself. Now, I don't know if that disturbs you. I've read scriptures like that before, and it disturbs me sometimes when I read a scripture like that. God allowed Satan to do this in Paul's life. Hmm. God did the same thing in Job's life. But I want you to know God can take Satan's work and he can turn it to a good purpose. And if God allows Satan to work in your life, he's using him for his purpose. If you're a child of God. Now, if you're not a child of God, you need to get saved because you're under Satan's kingdom. You're not protected by God from Satan. But if you're God's child, Satan can only do what he asks permission from God to do. And when he does it, God takes it and uses it for good. Look at what he says, uh, verse 8. Considering this, uh, Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so Christ's power may reside in me. Rely on your Savior. Think about this for a moment. Satan is not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He doesn't know everything like God knows everything. He's limited. He's a created being but he's a very powerful created being. Matter of fact, he was head of the angels before he rebelled against God. This powerful angel is coming against Paul. Now, you, you may have a human opponent that you're thinking of. Maybe when I started talking about problems, this person popped in your mind. that's giving you a hard time. Have you ever thought about the devil himself coming against you? Would that seem intimidating to you? I want you to know something. What he is saying here, I have the devil himself causing this trouble for me, but I want you to know something. What I've found is that when I look at my weakness and I trust in Christ's power, Christ's power living in me overcomes everything that the devil tries to do against me and uses it for good instead so that my ministry is more powerful And more effective so that I can do more in Jesus' name. Why? Because the power of Christ is resting on me. Rely in Christ's power. Listen, I want you to know, if he can take care of the devil, he can take care of your problem. Jesus uh, had a man that was blind from birth calling out to him for healing, and Jesus healed him. They said, this man, he's, he's blind from birth, Jesus. Jesus said, what difference does that make? And he heals him. I don't know if he said that, but that's kind of the attitude you see there. He reaches out and he heals him. Why? There's no disease that's too powerful for Jesus. There's no condition that he faces where he will break a sweat and wring his hands. Jesus is the God of the universe. He's the one who holds the stars together by his power. He's able. Rely. On your Savior. Overcoming in difficult circumstances. What should you do? How do you, how do you overcome? Recognize your source. Remember your weakness. Rely on your Savior. And reframe your suffering. Reframe your suffering. What do I mean by that? My wife taught me that, that idea. Reframing. It's, a, it's apparently a counseling word that's become popular lately. You reframe something. That means you you take a look at this circumstance or this situation, and you look at it from a different angle. You kind of reframe it. You know, Uh, you got an old picture. Maybe the frame gets beat up. You put a new frame on it. It's looking at something from a different perspective. Paul Paul is looking at his suffering now from a different perspective. Before he was distressed about it, he's praying, God, remove this. God, heal me, whatever it is. God, take care of this. But now he's looking at it from a different angle. And look at what he says in verse 10. He says, so I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, catastrophes, persecutions, and in pressures because of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Before he's looking at the suffering, he's saying, man, this suffering is hard. This stinks. I don't enjoy this. And he is suffering in the midst of his circumstances. God tells him, look, Paul, you want my power to remain on you. How my power remains on you is through these hard things that you're going through. And then Paul says, let me think about this a second. So what you're saying, God, is that through the difficulties, through the pressures, through the hardships, through the struggles that I'm facing, your power comes on me in a special way. Paul says, okay, I'm going to change my attitude about this. These sufferings are an opportunity for God to work through my life. (laughs) So I'm going to be pleased with them. Bring it on. If your power will rest on me. Lord, if souls can be saved, Lord, if people's lives can be changed, if that son or daughter or grandson or or relative can be changed, God, bring the suffering on so that your power may come into our situation to bring about a change. Reframe your suffering. You know, a lot of times we look at suffering, and we're told in our culture, if you serve God, You will have a Rolex watch and you will drive a Rolls Royce and you will have money in your bank account. There are some people who built big churches saying that. It's a a lie, but that's what's being told. But what they miss is suffering can be a very great blessing from God because it allows God's power to rest on us. My daughter was saved through her sickness. Uh, others have shared with me how God has worked. God redirected me during a time of suffering, uh, and called me to, the, to preach through a time of suffering. My dad uh, lost three brothers in one year to heart attacks in their 40s. That was a hard year. But God's power came down on his ministry in a special way in that time period of his life. I can remember sitting in the pew, sensing the presence of God in such a powerful way in those services. I want you to know something. God can take your circumstance and your situation and use it to put His power on you and then in His time bring you out of it. If you want a great example, look at the cross. What greater defeat could you have, apparently, Than to be killed and ridiculed and mocked, stripped naked, put on a tree. It looked like it was all over. But three days later, Jesus came out of the tomb. That's the the Christ we serve. Reframe your suffering. And what a great day when suffering will be over. The Bible says your life is a vapor. You're living in a time, it's a blink of an eye, and then there's eternity. Our sufferings, the things that we go through now, develop us spiritually, but also enable us to be more effective so that we can enjoy eternity better. It's called delayed or deferred. I want to say reaction. it's not the word. Uh, gratification. That's what I'm trying to think of. Delayed gratification. You ever think about this? There's some people who have all the outward blessings of life now. Have you ever been jealous of them? You ever thought, why does God give that person? They got money, and here I am struggling. And they've got. Oh, look at this. They're getting promoted, and here I am in the same position. And, and, you, and you, you, you envy that person. You shouldn't envy that person. If they don't know Christ, tomorrow if they die, they're going to hell. But tomorrow if you die, you're going to a place where there'll never be tears or sorrow or crying or pain. Let the suffering of your life be a preparation for eternity. Look at it from a little different angle. Philippians says that Jesus Christ, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. And now, because of his suffering, God has given him a name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when God gets ready to to bring about his plan of history, and he gets ready to open up the seven-sealed document, they'll look through heaven. They won't be able to find anybody worthy to open it. And they'll say, oh, but wait, look, there. There's the lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is worthy to open the seals. And Jesus will open the seals and bring about the end of history. When we're given crowns in heaven, the Bible says that what we'll do with those crowns is we'll say, No, we're not worthy. Jesus is worthy. And we'll throw those crowns at his feet. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. By the way, that joy wasn't just the things he was going to get like that. That joy was knowing that you and I would be with him. So when you go through suffering and trial in life, reframe it. Look at it from the the perspective of eternity. This light and momentary suffering, Paul says, is not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory. Reframe it. Paul went through the suffering. Guess what? Paul's not suffering now. Paul has exchanged his burdens and his sickness for being glorified and having all the tears wiped away. He's exchanged the persecution for reward, he's exchanged the lack for plenteous provision. This life is not all there is. Overcoming in difficult circumstances, how do you do it? Recognize your source. Remember your weakness. Rely on your Savior and reframe your suffering. As you do that, you'll find His grace is always sufficient. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and for its message to our lives. Thank you for being sufficient. Thank you for the times I've seen your faithfulness in my life, Lord, and answered prayer and bringing me out of struggle and sustaining me through it. Father, I pray that as your people today that we would respond to you with a willing heart to serve you and even to look at our sufferings from a different angle, Lord, and to say, Lord... If it means your hand lying upon me, then help me to willingly embrace the suffering of my life. And if it means Jesus' name will be exalted, let me suffer. And Father, I pray that um, you will use the sufferings of, of the people of this church, Lord, to put your hand of power.